and welcome to Family Health and Wellness podcast series called Parenting Tips, geared to parents and professionals working with families. Family Health and Wellness is a part of the National Extension System, which provides research-based information and is a program of Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County in New York. I'm Rory McNish, the host of this series, which will showcase family health and wellness educators who are experts in the field of child development, positive parenting practices, nutrition and health. Our goal is to help adults make research-informed decisions for themselves and their families. I'm pleased to welcome Maxine Roper-Cohen, who is joining us today to talk about parents and sleep. Maxine has been a family educator with CCE since 2002 and specializes in increasing the knowledge base of parents and understanding their children in order to create and maintain family wellness and decrease family stress. Good afternoon, Maxine. Got a question for you. Did you get enough sleep last night? That's a great question, Rory. (laughs) First of all, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, The last time we spoke, I spoke about the importance of sleep for children. So this time, it's their parents' turn. Oh, good. That'll (laughs) be great. And I can identify with what you're talking about. So this is exciting. So to answer your question, did you get enough sleep last night? It seems like we as parents or, or grandparents never get enough sleep. In fact, a uh, National Sleep Foundation poll found that almost half of American adults slept poorly or not enough. So it is a big problem in our country. Yeah, and I'm always questioning uh, how many hours is really enough for a person to have with sleep. It's a great question. The same National Sleep Foundation recommends that adults sleep between six to nine hours each night. And when you think about yourselves, your family, friends, other adults, many of us sleep less than that. But it does take its toll in many ways when we don't get enough sleep. Right. Now, why is that? When you consider life today with working couples, many of them dual working couples, they work outside the home, there's no clear-cut division between work time and family time. Many, many decades ago, there was a prescribed work day, perhaps nine to five, Mm -hmm. and after that work day, you'd come home and you'd have time with your family. Due to social media today, it eliminates this end of a so-called work day and work follows us wherever we are, wherever we go. Yep. So work is a constant. And when you add this work that is lingering, even at the end of the day, you have that need for some quality family time as well. And that includes having face-to-face conversations with other family members Mm -hmm. Having enough energy for fun activities with children, be it sports or or reading together or attending a sporting event or or music, whatever it is, you want some family time and also having enough patience with children. Right. So it becomes a very long day and that day includes work outside the home, inside the home, and this can lead to us being much more overextended 
Mm -hmm. Parents are overextended, they're anxious, and they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. When we're in that kind of state, it's then most difficult for parents to relax, unwind, and fall asleep. Most of us don't turn off the activity switch and then instantly become able to sleep. So that's that's a a difficulty, and, and that's why we're not getting enough sleep. And an additional factor is our cell phones. They are with us. They beckon to us. They send all sorts of signals and noises, and we respond. So they're with us continuously, and that's another way in that we're not relaxing because we feel compelled to either look or answer, and that's, that's another reason why we are sleeping less. And keep engaged with it. You know, it seems to be something that Years ago, we didn't really need to do. It wasn't there, so we just, well, you know, we did what we did, and and we didn't have that constant, you know, dinging in our face and and you know that beckoning, as you said. Exactly, um, exactly. Maxine, tell us why sleep is so important. And that's a great question. I mean, why do we need that sleep? Some of us feel we're wasting time if we're sleeping, but actually. Many important functions go on during the sleeping period. First of all, the brain carries out many, many tasks when we're in the sleeping state. And some of those tasks are repairing tissue in the body, Mm -hmm. balancing hormones in our body, and boosting the immune system. And, And some of us make that connection that if we are not getting enough sleep, if we're tired, our immunity is lower and it's easier for us to pick up colds or any other germs going around. And chronic sleep deprivation, which is ongoing for many parents, is associated with inflammation in the body, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure. The brain also uses the time during sleep to make sense of the day. So that includes almost going over things that you're not even aware of, you know, or in a subconscious or unconscious state, but the brain is consolidating memories from the day. And some of us are able, when we wake up, to recall our dreams, which is not easy because if you don't recall them within a few minutes, you lose them. But there's actually a lot of brain activity going on in in dealing with what has happened to us during the day. So that's another very important function of the brain during sleep. Uh, During sleep, skin repairs itself. And for many of us, the digestive process is ongoing and it functions better with enough sleep. Uh, When we don't have enough sleep, the rhythm in the digestive tract is slowed down. And this could lead to constipation and heartburn. Finally, um, enough sleep is important for us so that we wake up refreshed, we're not tired, and then we can be more productive the next day. This helps us to focus. It also increases our eye-hand coordination. Think about driving. If we're tired or if we're not focused, there are many accidents, and they do find that it's vital for careful driving uh, to not be tired, to be Absolutely. alert. Yeah. So if we're sluggish, if we don't have enough sleep, we're not at our best. 
and for children as well as for their parents. Now, um, since sleep is so important, what about parents that want to fall asleep, but they really, they have difficulty, they're unable to, to fall asleep at night? That, that's a big problem. For overworked people, stressed out parents, insomnia is, is a big problem in our society, and it's very common. Uh, there is an estimate of one-third of all American adults suffer from insomnia from time to time. What do, what do parents do? What do grandparents do? Many of them turn to medication. Right. Whether it's a prescription or an over-the-counter sleep aid from the local pharmacy. And for an occasional use, it's okay. However, it's not the best way to help you to fall asleep. And there are risks involved when you are actually drugging your brain to either induce or maintain sleep. Is it okay for a, like a, uh, like a, uh, a kind of a, a herbal kind of remedy or um, like melatonin or something like that? Is, that? is that similar to these medications that you're talking about? Melatonin is something that we have inside our bodies and there are over-the-counter products. However, I would advise speaking to your medical doctor before taking any supplement, be it prescription or non-prescription, herbal, it depends upon what other vitamins, minerals, or medications you are taking because there could be negative interactions between these drugs because they, they do work as drugs do. They're just not regulated as prescription drugs are. So there could be risks involved in that too. What are, what are the overall risks? Well, actually, prescription sleep aids don't provide for a natural sleep. They could be effective if you do it on a temporary basis, but they are never intended for long-term use. And there could be dangerous side effects. And one of the most common is that we become addicted to them mm -hmm. and we depend upon these sleep aids right. to fall asleep. Many times people encounter the feeling of like being fuzzy, fuzzy thinking, not being able to think straight, and also short-term memory loss has been found with these aids. And we have to remember that they're not treating the cause of insomnia. They're mainly dealing with the symptom, and we're not getting to why we can't fall asleep. Okay. So it's an easy fix. It's very common. Uh, it's Doctors are asked for these products all the time because sleep is a big problem in our society. But it's not something we should rely upon as our primary means of falling or maintaining sleep. What would be some uh, alternatives to these drugs that you're talking about? There are many non-drug therapies that can help eliminate the need for these sleeping aids. One big one that we can all do is writing down many of troubling thoughts or worries that we have before we go to bed. Because many times we can't fall asleep because we're dealing with what went on during the day, what we're happy with, what we're unhappy with, what's bothering us. And if we constantly keep thinking and thinking, it prevents our brain from relaxing and then we can't fall asleep. 
So the act of taking pen or pencil to paper and writing down these issues mm -hmm. gets us into a state of feeling, all right, I've accomplished this. I've written it down. I will deal with it tomorrow. And it's almost a mindset that you've dealt with something. And that sometimes can help clear your mind and thereby making it easier to fall asleep. I've actually used that technique and, and wrote the things down that I was worried about or whatever. And I just said, that's it. I'm letting that go. And, and yeah, that I can definitely identify with that. Did it work for you? It did. Yeah, it really, it was, you know, it did. It just, I, I just kind of gave it up and, and I was able to say, well, I can deal with that tomorrow, you know? That's and, great. Uh, that's yeah. Wonderful. It's almost like giving yourself permission. Okay. Right. I right. have these issues. I need my sleep. Let me say goodbye to them now and I'll deal with them in a better state of mind because everything seems more ominous and more dangerous and worrisome at night anyway. Oh, it does. So, yeah. Good for yeah. you, Rory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another, uh, another type of therapy is called relaxation therapy. And that's where you learn how to slowly relax each muscle in your body mm -hmm. from head to toe. This is something that people can learn. It, many times when we're tense, we, we're tense in our neck or in our back so that if we learn how to release those muscles and calm our mind, this can help lull us into sleep. So yoga is something that people can do to help them stretch and relax. Stretching exercises, arms overhead, stretching legs out, and meditation for some people. Uh, another way of non-drug therapy of helping parents drift off to sleep. Now, are there other habits that uh, can help parents get enough sleep? Definitely. The room that they sleep in is important, where you sleep. So try to keep your bedroom cool, mm -hmm. dark, and quiet. That is helpful in, in inducing sleep. And um, an important thing for us as parents, grandparents, is trying to go to bed and getting up at about the same time each day. That's part of our body rhythm. And in this way, you attempt to sleep the same number of hours. Many people feel that they could make up for lost sleep during the week on the weekend. And the body, it, many of us have tried it. It doesn't help. We no. need and if you get your body into that rhythm, that helps to induce a habit of sleeping the same number of hours each night. You can't make up sleep. I feel like I want to, you know, sleep in on a Saturday morning or something like that. But I find that I wake up exactly the same time as I do during the week and I can't do it. Yeah. Well, that shows but, you that your body is regulated and, yeah. and that you have good bodily rhythms, which actually is very positive. So the mm -hmm. trick is... Oh, good trying to get to sleep so that you get the number of hours. And, you know, many times we're tempted to watch another show or have another conversation, but our body gets into a rhythm, which, which is optimal for it. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as eating, that's an important part of getting to sleep too. Okay. They found that it's good to finish eating at least three hours before going to bed, and this allows digestion to take place so that you can avoid reflux when you're lying down. Mm -hmm. 
because that will not allow you to sleep and it's very painful. So aim for a you know, quiet time, a relaxing time before going to bed. Calm yourself down with low lighting. And most importantly, turn off all digital devices. We know, I know many people who go to bed with their cell phones. Right. So it doesn't allow our brains to turn off. It's a mm -hmm. constant attraction, a magnet. And the lights that are emitted from media also affect our sleeping cycle. The blue light is not good. So it's recommended that your phone should not be in bed with you. It should not rest on your night table. Put it away. Rather than, than a phone, reading a book can be very helpful. It's more relaxing, and it is sleep-provoking. Uh, as far as, as drinking, you know, caffeine, can keep people awake. Some people aren't affected by caffeine, but many parents are. So drinking coffee in the morning, early afternoon is fine. But for the rest of the afternoon and evening, it's, it's good to avoid caffeine. And another liquid to avoid is alcohol. And you might think that, well, alcohol is a depressant. It should help right. you fall asleep. But quite the opposite. It deters sleep. Okay. So that it's, these are different kinds of habits and behaviors that you can try that can help you to sleep as far as different techniques, as far as the atmosphere in your bedroom, and as far as clearing your mind from all digital devices. And one final habit is exercise. Now, why, why is that? Because I do notice that when I exercise during the day, I usually sleep through the night. Why is exercise so important for sleep? In addition to the brain needing to be exercised and to be stimulated intellectually, physically, our bodies need that exercise. So if you engage in, in the morning in exercise or during a lunch hour or early afternoon, especially outdoors, if it's sunny, this is helping to set the body's clock for sleep in the evening. When I say sunny, you know, that's related to the whole melatonin in that when the brain detects rhythms and, and it feels the sun, it knows that it's daytime so that by the end of the day when it's darker, it's, it, then it denotes that it's time to sleep. So it's actually training yourself for that. Uh, I say that it's good to exercise in the morning or early afternoon because many people might choose to exercise in the evening and then they find it difficult to go to sleep because the body is very stimulated. You get that rush, you get hormonal surges, and that's fine, but it's the wrong time of the day as right, far as right. you know, lulling ourselves into sleep. So if it's possible, you know, I have friends who work full days and get up a little early and go on a treadmill or try to go outside or whatever you can do, doing it in the morning or early afternoon, it tires the body. And when we're tired, we're more prone to fall asleep. So it's good for all systems in our body, but especially for sleep. Mm -hmm. what, what if your young children don't want to go to bed at the time the parents find reasonable? What, what uh, you know, this kind of makes parents' time alone too short. What can parents do in that case? And that's a big issue for parents today. I've been conducting parenting workshops for many years, and I find that parents tell me that 
their, their children are up until 9 or 10 at night, and they can't get them to go to sleep. And then I said, well, what about your life? What, how much longer can you stay up after they go to sleep? And they say, I'm exhausted, so I really have no time for myself. Right. So it is good to try to establish an early to bedtime, especially for young children. It's a long day for them and for you. And children thrive on sleep. They thrive on taking naps when they're young, and they thrive on a, on a good sleep schedule. And as they you know, become toddlers and preschoolers, they can try to delay bedtime. And they know all the tricks of asking for a drink <laughs> or another bedtime story. Oh, yeah. And it's tough to say no, but if you have a good bedtime routine and they're used to a bath and a story and a song and then it's nighty-night time, try to stick to that. You know, parents need to be loving, but, they, it's, but also consistent in setting a bedtime for their children and enforcing it because children do thrive on consistency so that when they know that this is their bedtime and it's time to go to sleep, they, they will then do it. And this allows the adults in the family, the parents, much needed downtime for themselves, couples time, time to think, time to relax. And that helps in, this, in that relaxation process before they themselves attempt to fall asleep. By calming down and relaxing, parents could be much more understanding and patient the next day. Right, right. And remember, parents need and deserve a good night's sleep. So it's, it's important to view sleep as parents as pleasant, as beneficial, and, and parents need to make it a priority for themselves as well as their children. So lights out and happy dreams. Well, this was great. You gave a lot of great information. Um, I always enjoy talking to you, Maxine. This was uh, uh, definitely something that I think is very important for parents to really kind of get a grip on and it's going to make them healthy and their children healthy too. That's our aim. And it's always a pleasure to speak with you, Rari. So be well, and I hope you have a wonderful night's sleep tonight. Well, thank you. And you too. That's our podcast on parents and sleep. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your comments about today's topic. You can email us at jsj79 at cornell.edu or Maxine directly at mc33 at cornell.edu. For more information on this topic and others, check out our blogs at blogs.cornell.edu forward slash ccesuffolkfhw. You can also visit our website at ccesuffolk.org and click on Family Health and Wellness. Have a great day.